Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, we're back, everybody. And boy, it's a banger of a news week. Good, everybody, and welcome to your Friday episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday, as I just said. I'm Andrea Renee, and that's Brittany Brombacher. It's me. Hi. It's like muscle memory all over again. I know, right? Welcome back, friend. So good to see you. You too. I mean, I've seen you during the break. Let's be real. We did. We did do a little chatting. Yes, we absolutely. We did. This is wild. How has it been three months? How have the holidays come and gone? How has Infinite Wealth released? How (laughs) am I in this position? I just feel like I have so much to like catch everybody up on. Oh, man. There's definitely not a short answer to that question, but we are going to talk about it in just a minute. I do want to acknowledge to people that our dear friend, Rihanna Manuel Pena, is of course not with us today because she is shooting some really cool stuff that she's going to talk to us about next week. Uh But she had her wonderful baby, Violet. If you guys follow her on social media, her and Danny are doing great. I went over and saw them last week and my goodness, is that baby so cute. She is the most gorgeous gorgeous baby ever. I've had some Zoom calls, Discord calls with him during the break. I literally cried the first time I saw Violet. I was like, how is this baby real? She is just so cute and she just seems like she's so happy and smiling and she's such a good sleeper and it's like you guys made the perfect little human. They are living their best new parent lives. Very, very excited for both of them. So we are excited to get her back on the show next week. So we will eagerly await that. So just wanted to call that out. Also wanted to give a big thank you to everybody in our Patreon community. Welcome back, friends. We have posts over at patreon.com slash what's good games explaining membership and how we're going to be implementing some changes in the not too distant future, but more to report on that soon. But essentially, just want to give a big thank you to everybody who is coming back to the show. We know sometimes when shows take breaks and then people come back, audiences move on and find the next new hotness. But we appreciate that you guys choose us. And we hope that you are going to be excited about some cool stuff we have in the works. So before we dive into that, what's coming up new, let's, yeah, let's recap, you know, a little bit of what happened. It was interesting because a lot of people came to social media when we announced that we were coming back and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I can't wait, which, you know, we love, but you know, some people were like, oh, I hope you feel all rested and rejuvenated. And I was like, well, that's not <laughs> quite how the hiatus went. No, no. I mean, it, it's a busy time of the year, which is why it made sense to take the hiatus when we did. It's because we knew we were going to be slammed with family stuff and the holidays and everything. But rested and rejuvenated. Yeah, I don't know if those are the exact words I would use. I mean, we've talked during the break, but definitely feels good to be back in the saddle. There's been so much going on. 
And it's been kind of odd not to have that platform every week to talk about it. But it does feel good to be back sitting in this chair, talking with you. You know, we had some technical hiccups before we launched the show and it was nostalgic of course. And, I, and I missed it. I was like, ooh, feels good. Yeah, I mean, ditto to all of that. I had to sit down with, you know, the unnamed producer and get everything back up to speed because during the break, my daughter would come out here routinely to, you know, start her own podcasting career by banging on my soundboard. (laughs) And I I did a test record and was like, this is not right. Something's wrong. Got to fix it all. So, of course, working out those kinks as per usual. But, yeah, the holidays were stressful but great. And, you know, just really, to be honest with y'all, I mean, I've been kind of struggling with a lot of mental health demons and kind of figuring out some things for myself. And so it wasn't as, like, relaxing <laughs> as you yeah. might think it was because it was a pretty tough time for me mentally. But I'm I'm working on my stuff and I'm getting better and I'm feeling rejuvenated and motivated in the last couple of weeks. I'm really gearing back up for our launch and excited about some new ideas I have for the show and some new things that we are going to be, you know, rolling out and just kind of taking each day as it comes. You know, sometimes when you get stressed and you have, you know, a lot of either mental or physical overload, you just need to remember one foot in front of the other one day at a time and think about things that bring you joy, you know? Yeah, and I can super duper relate to that. And I think that you set me up for the perfect opportunity to kind of talk about what my future looks like for the foreseeable future. So friends, I am going to be limiting my appearances on What's Good Games to once a month. And the reason is because like Andrea just mentioned, life is lifing right now. It's lifing real hard. And I, as a mom, a wife, and a daughter, need to be emotionally and mentally available for my family just because of some personal stuff that's going on behind the scenes. And this has absolutely nothing to do with my love for the show, for my friends, for what's good games, for this industry. It's just there's a lot going on. And every day, every week looks different for me right now. So because of all those reasons, I'm not just able to commit to a weekly show. It's not like it is right now or has been where it's like, okay, every Wednesday, 6 p.m., like, let's go. It's like, how about 11 p.m. on Monday night? Does that work for you? Oh, it doesn't. Wow. Surprise, surprise. But um, that's just the kind of reality I'm in right now. So I'm still going to be on the show once a month. I'm still going to be trying my very best to pop by when I can. If there's like some major news or if there's like a new Resident Evil or I get my Final Fantasy IX remake and I splooge everywhere. Of course, I want to come here and splooge all over you. Wow. I was hoping to get your reaction to that. There it is. Thank you. I was hoping you were going to cut to that. Is it weird to say that I'm kind of numb to you saying things like that after repeatedly threatening to like vomit, pee, and splooge on me over many years of us working together? It's how I express my excitement. You know we're BFFs when I talk about wanting to splooge my excitement all over you. And that's what I want. But yeah, yeah, for real, Like I just want to stress again, this has absolutely nothing to do with my love of what's good or the community or anything. If I had the availability... I would absolutely still be here every week. It's just I have to be a pillar for my family right now. And that's what I'm focusing on. And, you know, I'm still doing content creation stuff on the side. But it's just now my windows of opportunity to do it is, like I said, 11 p.m. on a Monday. Or maybe it's like 10 p.m. on a Friday. I just get my pockets when I can. So um, stay tuned to my website if you want to see what I'm up to. But, of course, like, you know, I'll be active everywhere. And I'll still be popping by the show as often as I can. And I'll be in touch with Andrea. So she'll be able to tell you all of the things. But, yeah, just appreciate y'all's understanding. and. It's weird to say this, but it's just the right step I have to take right now because, you know, mental health is important and I have to prioritize family at this time in my life. So that's where I stand. But don't worry, I'm not going. In. You'll still see me. I'll still be around. Don't worry. I'll be like the Kool-Aid man. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. Just like 
smashing through. Yeah. It's going to be great. And I want everyone to know, you know, Brittany and I are rock solid. And I told her, I go, you tell me whenever you're ready. And I don't want people to be like, oh, my God, Brittany's leaving the show. Because that's not that's not what's happening here at all. Hell um, no. It's just her letting you guys know that, you know, she's not going to be on the show every single week for the time being. And the good news is that, you know, we have lots of wonderful friends who love coming by the show. And obviously, Rihanna is going to be coming back periodically as well because she's also a new mom you know like her schedule is going to be very much in flux because she has a a very tiny human that she's looking after but we're excited to have her back at least monthly she of course wants to do so much more and we're like mama it's okay it's okay (laughs) just spend time with your baby that's all right especially Um, this time when they're just these little potatoes that just stay put when you put them somewhere and it's the best just relax enjoy because before you know oh boy you and I are in the thick of this toddler yeah we're in we're in the thick of the it's it's fun of the shit of the toddler (laughs) shit right now basically a lot of text threads with various people in my life all saying yeah it's really hard right now you just have to survive once they become four it gets better it gets hard in different ways but it's not the same type of hard that you're in right now and I'm like cool so that's definitely over a year away (laughs) so hang it in there hang it in there Oh my gosh. Anyone who is a caretaker of either an old, young, middle-aged person, just another human being, if you are a full-time caretaker or part-time caretaker of another person, you know just how challenging and difficult it can be sometimes. So thank you everybody for your sympathy and empathy. We appreciate and love that about our community. But just because those changes are happening doesn't mean we're slowing down. In fact, I having a desire for more chaos in my life right now have decided to add more content to What's Good Games, which I am very excited to roll out. So I'm going to be soft launching, I like to call it, a new short form audio only show to start. I may add video as time goes on, but I just don't have the video editing bandwidth. But it's going to basically be a short form news show where we're going to be breaking out the bulk of the news into a more easily digestible, quick hit news fix. Right now, I'm looking at three times a week. Some weeks could be less, some weeks could be more, depending on what's happening. And it will be in the same RSS feed that you get your podcast right now, so you don't have to change anything about that. And I'm really excited to test this format out. And what that means for us for this weekly show, which we're you know going to dive into here in just a second, is that we get to just focus on the high-level stories that we want and spend a little bit less time on news in the weekly show and a little bit more time on the stuff that we're really excited about, whether that be a big game release, a preview event that we went to, or kind of anything else in the world of video games we want to spend more time on. And one of the things that I also really wanted to focus on for the format changes for this year that we're going to be rolling out over the next couple of weeks into the spring is that we really want to be toe-to-toe with a lot of our other podcast competition out there. You know, we really stood by our weekly upload and really had a commitment to consistency with publishing the show, which I am very proud of. And that is not changing, but what is changing is we also wanna break out 
really big pieces of content so that when an embargo lifts and all of our peers are uploading their content at, let's say, 8 a.m. Pacific time on a Monday morning, our show isn't then uploaded on Friday, you know, four or five days later. We want to make sure that, you know, we're getting that content out as quick as possible. So really excited the flexibility that gives us and also for us to be able to take some of these really amazing standalone interviews that I'm so proud that we've been doing over the last couple of years in particular and give them their own standalone episode as well. So that way you guys can easily find those pieces of content. And if you see that there's one of those smaller pieces of content that isn't for you, that way you don't have to you know, worry about listening to that one. You can just you know come to the weekly show as you normally do and Hopefully you guys are, you know, interested and in, in like some of these content changes that are happening. And, you know, I'm going to be kind of tweaking it as we go and seeing what works and what doesn't, because we talked with you guys about you guys being our audience about this on our hiatus send off episode. And everyone was like, oh, my gosh, is what's good games going away? And I was like, no, we just, you know, need to change some things up and make a different strategy plan because 2024 content creation is very different than 2017 content creation. Like God, in a you lot said 2017 of and I puckered I'm like damn like yeah you're right 2017 now we're in 2024 hot yes. damn I need a rocking chair Andrea I need a cane yeah. I need to wave my cane at the sky and be like back in our day <laughs> you could post something on Facebook and get 10,000 visits to your website Speaking oh remember experience. when Facebook was like the hotness oh yeah Anyway, I want to say I'm very excited for these changes. You're spearheading these little mini shows and everything. And I think it's really cool. I will be cheering for you from wherever I am that day. And I'll be rooting for you. And maybe if you do really good, I'll send you some uh, some nudes. You know what I mean? Oh, little, little, uh, little incentives. That's so exciting. <laughs> no, but for real, you're going to rock it. And I hope everyone checks it out. So if you're listening to this, friends, just check out everything she puts out. Listen to it. Support it. Or I will find you. And I'll bust in like the Kool-Aid man. And I'll I'll kick your ass. Mm-hmm. You don't want that. Trust me. She's, no, I got some pent up frustration. I need to get out and, you know, I'll take a loser who doesn't want to listen to your hard work. Show them who's the boss. It's me yeah. and you. We're, yeah. I've, we're never been in, I've never been in a fight in my entire life. I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> I've only been in one. And well, technically, I sort of started one, but I didn't finish it. I ran away. <laughs> <laughs> Story for another time. Story yeah, for another time. In some of the new exclusive membership content that is coming. Yes. Right. Exclusive content's coming back. More on that soon, everybody. Okay, so why don't we get into the show? Because boy, oh boy, oh, yeah. there's a lot to talk about on our first big show back. We are going to be changing the way that we do news, as I mentioned, but... This week is going to be a little bit bulkier than it will be going forward because PlayStation announced that they are having a state of play. And of course, y'all know we got to recap it for you and give you the highlights. So let's go ahead and jump right into that. I'm not sure if I had any expectations for the state of play today from PlayStation because I think state of plays as a marketing device and as a video vehicle delivery service, so to speak, have been kind (laughs) of all over the place, right? We've seen them be very short. We've seen them be longer. We've seen some really big titles. We've seen some titles that, you know, were a little bit more obscure. So I feel like I've just reset my expectations But I was very pleasantly surprised by what we got to see today. We actually got a pretty healthy mix of some relatively big games, including a whopper of a look at the new Death Stranding. Oh, my God, that game. So I I just posted this on X. I was like, honest question. To those of you that actually understand the Death Stranding story and its lore, does this trailer make any fucking sense to you? And actually... 
I've got a mix. I've got some people say no. And then I had someone say, actually, yeah, they said there's a ton to chew on. It gives us a pretty clear picture of what happened in between games and why certain things are weirder than before. That's from Diogo. And then someone, let me see right here. Dennis Kidd said, oddly enough, yes, there are some even narrative teasers, spoilers I managed to gleam in there. And that's speaking like a whole nother language. Like you speak Kojima and to that (laughs) I applaud you, friends. That was the weirdest trailer ever. It starts off, friends. I'm just going to talk about this really quick. There's like dudes and people like hanging around what looks like an autopsy room. And then they cut this body up. And then like all this black ooze comes out. And then this black cat with like wings comes by and licks it up. And I was like, what? What is happening? It shows the baby again. The baby barfs up some nanobot thing. There's like a wooden puppet Jimmy Cricket looking thing that animates pretty cool actually in the game. Troy Baker's character, whoever the hell that is, played a guitar and damaged someone. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and then my final note on here, so many spoons. Yes, so many spoons. It reminded <laughs> me of the episode after Death Stranding came out and we had Sabriel Masson on the show. Miss you, Bree. Hope you're doing well where I made the comment of how if you're into this weirdness, you're just eating it up with a spoon and how Kojima's fans are just like double fist spooning the weirdness of Death Stranding because it's just, it's inexplicably bizarre in ways that I'm never going to understand and that's okay. And it's also just like so weird. You can't not be interested in what's going on, right? That's it. That's why I'm so intrigued. And the fact that people are able to gleam stuff from this has me so like into it. But I mean, I'll probably never understand it. The gameplay just wasn't enough for me to get into like the Death Stranding lore. So yeah, this is coming out in 2025. And I'm very excited to watch some sort of video recap because I'm not gonna, or maybe for shits, I'll just get really drunk or high one night and just play it. (laughs) And see, like, try to come up with my own meaning with this game. But what was interesting was after that, they pivoted to Kojima and he was there with Herman. And he was like, yo, I have a brand new original IP, next gen action espionage. Preparations are underway and production will begin after Death Stranding 2. And he went on to say that he thinks this title will be the culmination of his work. In two years, it's going to be his 40th anniversary in the industry, which is kind of crazy and wild. And that he teased it's going to be an interactive game and also a movie at the same time in terms of the look, the story, the theme, the cast, the acting, the fashion and sound. It will transcend the barrier between film and games. Because, you know, Kojima can't do anything just like normal, which I applaud him for. Honestly, I think that's so fucking cool that he's always doing something interesting and weird. Because, like, we need that. We do. We do. Yeah, we we do. And so I think it's awesome. I'm excited to see what the hell this is. But I think a lot of folks are very excited, understandably so, about this Metal Gear-esque game maybe he's I mean, he said action espionage. And I instantly thought this is clearly the spiritual successor to Metal Gear, his iconic franchise. And I'm with you that Kojima-san is absolutely a visionary and he's an auteur in like the true sense of the word. And while I don't get a lot of his art and that's okay because art is Mm -hmm. very subjective and also sometimes art is just very difficult to understand. (laughs) I absolutely applaud his commitment to his creation process and that he year after year keeps going back to that creative vision that he has and really sticks with it. And he produces weird 
delivered at the highest quality level possible. This isn't like some random backwoods weird, like you raise your eyebrow and you're like, that's weird. This is like super, super upscale weird. (laughs) So, and I'm I'm here for that. And like the like pan out shot of the drone flying out of Sony pictures on when they were on the lot was pretty cool. And if anybody can truly make a bridge between video games and film, I think Kojima is, is a great one to tackle it. I honestly think the team at Remedy did a fantastic job with what they did with Alan Wake too. I mean, that to me felt very much like a bridge between movie and gameplay in a very like one-to-one kind of way. And still like, ugh, that game was just so good in a variety yeah. of ways. But we have seen interactive television shows do really well, but I am definitely interested to see what Kojima-san's version of that is going to look like. Speaking of movie and games, we did get the Until Dawn. I don't know if it's been announced before. Like, listen, I'll be honest, the last three months, I've been kind of staying away from gaming news all that much, so I'm not sure exactly like what's up with that. But the game is being rebuilt and enhanced for PS5, and it's coming in 2024. So when you're talking about like film and games, that, that reminded me of that. I know a lot of folks are excited for, they love them some Until Dawn. But the other thing that really was like, oh, and I'm, I'm interested to see what you thought, because it sounds like on Twitter, people aren't that stoked about it, is we got to look at Silent Hill 2. And I thought it looked really good. I believe my exact quote to you was put this in every hole in my body. Yes. There was a lot of a lot of like very excited noises coming from Britney's end of our stream watching. I thought it looked good. I think people, again, like probably have whatever expectations they have built up in their mind. And I'm like, I think it's also a tough place to be in when you're like rebooting such an iconic game like that. And the level at which companies are remaking games is kind of all over the place, right? I feel like Capcom has really set a high bar with what they've done with Resident Evil Remake. And Mm -hmm. I think Square Enix has set a high bar with what they've done with Final Fantasy VII. And it's like, are they going to get there with Silent Hill? Yeah, and I think the main complaint I've seen is that it does look a lot like Resident Evil now. I think I've talked about this on the show. I've never been able to play a Silent Hill game from start to finish because they were just so scary on another level that made me physically feel ill. So I have never played a Silent Hill game because, I mean, now at this point, I'm like, well, God, I'd have to bust out the fucking PlayStation to do that, like the old PS1. But, I mean, that's why I'm really looking forward to Silent Hill 2. But, yeah, a lot of people are like, yeah, it looks like Resident Evil. It looks like it's not that great. And that's why I'm excited about it about it personally speaking i saw the creepy ass leg mannequin bitches in there nope. you know they no, have, like, thank you pass no yeah they're just like they're just <laughs> skittering around living their best life and then you smack them together i saw puzzles i saw creepy lighting like i thought it looked really good and so i'm very excited for it and i love bloober team and i i think they're just people kind of rooting against bloober i don't think a lot of folks thought bloober was the right choice for this remake i think bloober could very well be the right choice for that as they could because i haven't seen the game yet but I'm excited they're getting the shot in this opportunity. But other than that, we also got the short message. We finally got a look at this. And this is a free download. It looks like it's available now on the PlayStation Store. So Yeah, so I went to new- the PlayStation Store and looked for it and mm-hmm. couldn't immediately find it. But it doesn't mean it's not now available. I'm going to check again in a couple of hours. But that was a really cool announcement. Yeah, this is a new short form Silent Hill title featuring a young contemporary protagonist. And she like jumps off a building and then she like has her phone and she's texting with someone named Maya. I don't know. It looked creepy, but I love that. I think that's really cool. And like, listen, you got to get people excited for Silent Hill, I guess. I mean, I don't think you do. I think everyone's going to be excited about this game regardless. But no one's ever complained about a free game. Actually, I take that back. A lot of people <laughs> complain about that. I was like, mm, mm. 
People will complain about literally everything. That's it's just, free. That's just humanity right now. Quit your bitching, but I love it. It looks creepy and I'm all for it. We also got a look at Stellar Blade. We got a long look at Stellar Blade. This was the second game that was shown off. The first one was Helldivers 2. This looks really weird too, but not like Kojima weird, but kind of like you're mishmashing a bunch of things together. Like you have like a desert and then you have like robot people, but then you have RPG fantasy stuff. So I don't really know what's going on here. So apparently you're saving humanity from extinction in a story-driven action-adventure game made by Korean developer Shift Up exclusively for PS5. Experience blistering combat and a twisting storyline as you unravel the mysteries of Earth's downfall. Now listen, that's like a weird-ass Silent Hill creature. That's like a weird flaming vagina thing. I don't know what's going on. All I know is that protagonist has a beautiful butt. And I'm here for her beautiful butt. And I am here for the wackadoodle gameplay. And the gameplay and the combat does look fun to me. We got to see some progression systems in here as well. So yeah, I mean, like, listen, this looks like a Brit-ass Brit game. I am very excited for it. Again, people, I don't know if it's just the people. I, usually the people I follow are, like, hyped. But I'm just seeing a lot of, like, meh. Really? I, yes. I, I mean, I guess I haven't opened X. This is also why I've been off of quite a bit over the last yeah. couple of months. Um, I've been, you know, popping back here and there because I love certain aspects of the culture on Twitter, but there's just a lot of it that's just way too toxic for me now. And it's tough because I feel like there's so much great work going on. And in a time when video games, especially video game developers and creatives at large are feeling really down and feeling really yeah. sad and concerned about where we're at as an industry because of all of these cuts and consolidations. Like you would think people would take the opportunity to like celebrate that these teams have this work and it looks good and yeah. it was a cool piece of content, but nah. You know what? Screw their opinions because I'm excited for it. And if they're not, they can go kick rocks, Andrea. You know what yeah. they can do? They can go join Godzilla in the depths in the Dave, Dave the Diver. Dave the Diver. What so some funny. collaboration. So silly. I haven't played that yet, but I've heard a lot of really great things about it. So the other game, real quick, that I want to talk about that also got me pretty hot and bothered, no surprise here, is Rise of the Ronin. So this takes place in 1858 Yokohama, and that makes me excited because I was just there in, like, a Dragon Infinite Wealth. <laughs> and, yeah, like, it's a Koi Tecmo game, so, you know, it has the combat you'd expect. And it looks like a mash of Ghost of Tsushima with the combat of this game with a little bit of, like, AC involved. Now, granted, like, that was just, like, at a glance. But as you're watching it play out, you oh, know, Oh, it definitely has Assassin's Creed vibes, for sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so did Ghost, I guess. But as the trailer played out, you know, they were talking about the variety of weapons you can use. You have, like, signature weapons and traditional weapons. You also have ranged firearms and foreign pistols, which I was like, okay, let's mix that stuff together. Cool, cool. And the relationships and alliances you build within the game will impact how your story plays out. But they did make sure to note that there are no disadvantages, and I quote that, to bonding with a character at the expense of another, and you can consider it more variety for your next playthrough. I mean, I think it looks gorgeous. It looks like the kind of game I just want to wander around in and get lost in. And I mean, why the fuck not? I'm waiting for Ghosts 2. And until then, I'll happily play games like this. This definitely looks right up my alley as well. Now, normally, these kinds of settings are not the thing that I'm like just like inherently drawn to. I know that there are lots of fans of this particular style of combat in particular. But I just loved playing Ghost of Tsushima so much that 
until I can get, like you said, until I can get another one. <laughs> let's let's figure <laughs> let's figure out, you know, if this could kind of scratch that itch. But obviously, this is a very different style of game when it comes to some of the way that the gameplay mechanics are working, because clearly, like, there's a lot more people you're interacting, whereas Ghost of Tsushima was a relatively like solo endeavor. Yeah, uh, for the yeah, most part, yeah. it's just you hanging out with your little foxy friends. <laughs> oh my god, the best! But yeah, the combat here absolutely looks different too. The exploration of the world, the urban areas look a lot denser, aka like the Assassin's Creed kind of vibes there. But definitely another awesome game that is in development. Yeah, it's coming out in March, so we don't have long to wait. And then, my dear, the one I'm assuming you're all hot and bothered about is the new Judas story trailer we saw. Yes, I've been wanting to see more from Ghost Story Games. So this team, the team behind Bioshock, Ken Levine's team, has been kind of underground for a very long time working on this game. Now, we saw the kind of unveiling of this, I think, over a year ago, almost two years ago now. It had been a minute. And... It looked great then, and I had kind of hoped that we'd get a little bit more info on when we can expect this game. And I loved this gameplay presentation. I'm going to try to find the trailer here for everybody Mm -hmm. watching over on YouTube. But at the end of it, once again, just like no indication of when we can expect to play this game. And... I'm going to go to the PlayStation blog because I'm hoping that there's a little bit more details. I mean, the trailer looks dope. It looks super cool. It looked really cool. So I'm there and essentially it poses the question, what if you could choose between who to befriend and who to stab in the back? And that they want to craft an experience where these decisions and how the story unfolds is up to you because you are Judas. You are the driver of every event in the story and has a new cast of characters to get to know and change. And you have this new world called the Mayflower. It's a spacefaring city City whose citizens are trained to spy on one another and tear each other apart for the slightest offense. Sounds like the internet. Where machines control every aspect of business, art, and government. The ship's leaders try to turn you into something you're not, a model citizen, and you spark a devastating revolution to tear it all down. And do you want to fix what you broke or leave it all to burn? That's a decision only you can make. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, anything that the team behind Bioshock is working on, I'm absolutely going to check out. And like I said, they've been working on this for a very long time now. It's definitely been several years and I'm so ready. I'm ready to play. I'm ready to experience it. Like Bioshock as a game to me is one of the most iconic and innovative and influential, important <laughs> video games mm-hmm. ever created. And if you've never played it, highly recommend you get the Bioshock collection and just check them all out. But the original to me stands above. I just want it. I just want it. I want it. I want to play it. You know what game you probably don't want to play? Is Metro Awakening in VR. Oh, no, listen, <laughs> I've talked many times on our show over the years. What a big fan a stand maybe even of the Metro mm-hmm. franchise that I am. And I think it's one of the most underappreciated franchises and 4A games is great. And I absolutely am terrified to think about playing Metro in VR. I will not be playing. Like you never played Silent Hill, like VR horror games for me. No, thank you. Like <laughs> Metro was hard enough for me to play with like all of the lights on, like full sunlight. That's a creepy game. Right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm. tense. It's like white knuckle controller playing in certain sections of that game. Yeah. Whew. It looked really good though. You know, I don't want to say for a VR game, but it did look very good for a VR game and it is an origin story set before the events of metro 2033 
It looks real good. And then, you know, then they showed another. I think there's only two PSVR 2 titles they showed. That was one of them. The other one is a game called Legendary Tales. And it was a very stark difference between, like, production value and whatnot because it went straight from Metro to this game. But this game, which is made by Urban Wolf Games, actually, like, I'm jazzed to play this. It looks like a first-person medieval dungeon crawly game. Like, you were punching skeletons. You were equipping, like, medieval weapons and swords and cool things and just going around bashing shit. Like, that's the dream, Andrea. That is the dream. <laughs> just I went around ta- bashing shit. It's a dark fantasy RPG with medieval weapons, armor, dazzling magic, and an RPG attribute system, skill trees, and dungeons, crafting, potion making, generated at all. Oh, You're like, go. jack me in here. I, and I, uh, it's I multiplayer. Fudge, multiplayer VR experience. Yes. Like, this is physics based fighting, and they go on and on. Yeah, I say no more. Like, this is what I want. And I don't care if people think it looks bad. You can go suck my, you know what, because I think this looks fun as hell. This is the experience I want. Like, as much as I love playing Resident Evil in VR, and I say love very lightly because, like, that's very scary. These little, like, silly pick up and play experiences are kind of what I think VR thrives in right now, for me anyway. And, like, just being able to live my fantasy dream of smacking a skeleton with a sword is like just any way i can do that and look they just found a treasure chest full of gold like that's the life i need andrew that's my true life oh it's coming out later this year and it gives me a good reason to play my psvr too that's all i'm gonna say yeah i'm in let's go so in what else did we see? Well, we saw a little bit more. I said Hell Divers 2, Sonic Generations was there, Foam Stars. That's coming out February 6th. Mm-mm-mm. Just days away. Just days away. And some other Dragon's Dogma we got to look at. I talked about Until Dawn. It was a really solid showcase, I have to say. Very yeah. nice. Very nice. And then we're getting our Final Fantasy VII showcase coming up on February 6th. Yes, we were kind of hanging around thinking, are they going to do Final Fantasy in this or not? And I appreciate that Sean Benson, shout out to Sean, Sean. she's amazing, came back at the end and was like, we know you're probably looking for Final Fantasy. It's getting its own state of play next week because clearly yeah. that game is going to have like a big bunch of stuff to drop. So that's, I know uh, it's wild though. It's kind of weird to think it's getting its own state of play. I get it from a marketing perspective, but as a player, it's like, man, this game is out in less than a month. I don't need to see anymore. And they've been pushing a lot of content on their social channel, Square has, and I avoid it. I don't want to see. I don't want to hear. I don't want to know anything. All I know is I am buying this game, or hopefully I'll be lucky enough to review it <laughs> day one. Well, day I think with all one. the changes that have happened at Square over the last two years, they just want to make sure people know it's coming out and they want you to buy it. Because yeah. turns out they peeled off a lot of their studios. So, <laughs> man, I know I was transferring my save data from PS4 to PS5, and it was just wild to look at the last time I played that game was in 2020. I was like, F- that was almost four years ago. I don't yeah. know where time has gone. That was just kind of, it was kind of like a wild, like, wow. This was before kids. This was before everything. So, yeah, I mean, I get it. And there's been so many amazing killer games out this past year, especially. And everyone's like, hey, don't forget about Final Fantasy VII. Don't forget. Don't worry, Square, we won't. Have you seen Daddy Sephiroth? Have you seen Cloud? Have you seen Tifa? Have you seen Aerith? I mean, they're all bangable. Sorry, I'm not going to bang Red 13. That's just weird. But everyone else, let's go. That was my favorite game that year. I I definitely don't have time to go back and play, but I'm going to watch a recap video. 100%. Am I going to play? 100%. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to see where this goes. Well, thanks, PlayStation, for just, you know, dropping all that goodness on us. We will, of course, you know, keep our eyes peeled for more updates. And I'll have news for you guys on if there's anything super exciting that gets announced in the next day to play on next week's show. 
On that note, let's take our first little break of the show. When we come back, I'm going to bring you guys some headlines, including talking about what the heck is going on with mega hit Pal World and Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. We'll be right back. Let's get into some headlines, Brittany. Now, normally, if there wasn't a giant state of play, this story would have been the lead feature story for the news block in this week's episode, but there's just too much news. But we are going to talk about the phenomenon that is Pal World. Oh, yeah. So this game has been taking the video games industry and communities by storm, both for good and bad reasons. <laughs> and the headline that I have is Pal World is under scrutiny after a Pokemon mod takedown, but isn't slowing down. So let's go ahead and jump into some Pal World news. Open world survival action game Pal World has finally drawn the eye of Nintendo and the Pokemon company after some enterprising members of the modding community created a very unlicensed Pokemon mod. Fools! Yes, I mean, we knew it was coming, right? <laughs> Pal World has been taking the internet by storm, as I already mentioned, setting records for concurrent players and quickly building a dedicated community with over 8 million copies sold. That's wild. In just six days, everybody. Oh, girl. So the latest stats, 12 million copies on Steam, and it's reached 7 million players on Xbox. Woohoo! 12 million <laughs> and seven. That's 19. 19. That's almost 20 million. That's a million. lot of game copies, everybody. That's ah! very, very large for a game this size. So continuing about the mod that was uploaded and then taken down, YouTuber Toasted wrote in a post on X that Nintendo has come for me. Please leave me in your thoughts and prayers. Footage of Toasted's mod in action has been scrubbed from the internet thanks to Nintendo's legal team. And popular hosting mod sites like Nexus Mods have announced they will not be hosting any Paul World mods due to potential legal implications. So that's a smart move. Developer Pocket Payer has already responded to the backlash against their team for similar monster designs. Speaking to Automaton, studio head Takuro Miyazobi said... We make our games very seriously, and we have absolutely no intention of infringing upon the intellectual property of other companies. But since that statement, it's been nothing but good news for Pal World. Earlier this week, a pocket pair spokesperson announced via press release that Pal World has attracted over 19 million players across PC and Xbox, as we discussed already. And it is now the yes. biggest third-party Xbox Game Pass launch in the subscription's history and has over 7 million players on Xbox with a peak of 3 million daily active users. An uh, additional piece of information for this story is that the Pokemon Company and Nintendo have both finally sort of acknowledged Pal mm -hmm. World, even though they didn't acknowledge it by name. They just said that game or something very vague. And they're going to be looking into copyright infringement. And I think what was happening, my I'm putting my detective hat on, is okay. that the roar about copyright infringement and stealing of Pokemon designs from Game Freak and the, and the Pokemon company Nintendo, just the discourse got a little too loud for them to not publicly respond to. And they were like, okay, okay, we hear you, we hear you. Yes, we're looking into it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's been really fascinating to watch. And I was wondering if or when Nintendo or Pokemon Company, excuse me, was going to put out a statement. And they're like, yeah, another company's game. It's like, haha, we all know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know, it's been really fascinating is the word I would use because I don't know shit about copyright and fair use and da 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 from a legal perspective. But there's a really interesting video that MinMax put out. And Haley McLean, who is the community manager, is an IP lawyer. And she 
she really did a great job. It's like a 10 minute video of breaking down the process as what is fair use and how it's a defense to copyright infringement. And it's very subjective. And it can honestly just depend on the judge that hears the case, whether or not it qualifies or doesn't. So, yeah, I mean, definitely check that out. I learned quite a bit from it. But I mean, we'll talk about my hands-on stuff with Power World and hands-on because I've been playing the shit out of this game with Jason every night for like three hours. It's just like, well, but I think what's worrying a lot of people, and I understand this, is the AI generators were if, and there's been no proof of this, but if this company was putting these Pokemon in an AI generator and spitting it out and then claiming that that's their property now, which sounds like they can't do that because in order for something to be belong to like copyright or whatnot, a human actually has to create it. It's a whole fucking thing. You know, what does that mean for independent developers? And what does that mean for other folks? Is it that easy that someone can just take your work and put it in an AI generator, spit it out and then call it their own? And I, I understand that standpoint of it, but it's hard not to be excited by this game despite all of the potential ramifications for it because it has just been super duper fun to play. And it's such a fun twist on the creature catching genre. And it's not really a Pokemon clone. There's Pokemon on elements, obviously, but a lot of games have come out. Look at Temtem, for example, which is another really great take on the Pokemon formula, if you will. And so it's just really fun, and they're doing a really fun thing with it. But yeah, very excited to talk about it in hands-on. Yes, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. So the only other time I've spoken about Power World publicly, I got to go back to KFGD, Kind of Funny Games Daily, with the very first co-host, Greg, and I got to do it, Greg Miller and I. And we were talking about this, and I was explaining that it was clear that a lot of the people or the vast majority of the people buying and playing Power World don't seem to care about this. Now, the internet, of course, being the internet, was like, Andrea hates artists, and Andrea thinks AI is fine, and how dare you, Andrea? And I was like, I, first off, didn't say that it was okay. I made a very, what I thought was an obvious observation that people seem to not care if they have a moral conflict about using generative AI in this game, because as we now have announced, at the time, it had only sold 5 million copies, and now it's blown past that. And I think the larger thing about consumption in media is that most consumers don't stop to think about who the creators are. Was the content that they're watching created ethically and legally? <laughs> and, you know, what are like the potential you know ramifications or moral implications to consuming content that is stolen or ripped off or copied? And, you know, there's a much larger discussion, as you already said, right. to be had about that. I think the idea of generative AI in particular is really troubling because it's really difficult to regulate it's really difficult to track who is stealing what from whom and what exactly is in the lines in one country and out of the lines in another country. And that's something, of course, that Brittany and I are not <laughs> legally qualified to talk about anyway. And I do want to just say definitively that stealing people's art is bad. As if I needed to say it, I'm going to say it explicitly and I'll say it again. I do not support stealing other people's art and then passing it off as your own. That's bad. You should feel bad if you do that, okay? Just to like, <laughs> you know, make sure that everyone knows where my position is on that since the internet seemed to be a little confused. <laughs> that yeah, I said but your point a lot of people stands. don't care, which I still stand by that and that's people what, don't and care. That is, that is true. Like, you know, we people don't care. I don't, I mean, I think that's what it comes down to, the vast majority. Now, of course, like if it comes out that they did use AI 
to take all the Pokemon, which I mean, like, I have a hard time believing they did not do that because you're looking at it and you're like, that's a fucking Meowth. You're like, that's Cinderace. That, you know, you're looking at it and like, that's not Pokemon. But like, whatever, until the proof comes out. I do think Nintendo is right, though, to look into this because I think someone has to take like a stand when it comes to this sort of thing. And they're, I don't know what the legal ramifications are, but it's kind of reminds me, Andrea, a little bit of, have you seen the whole Taylor Swift AI shit going around? Are you talking about like her voice being used in AI to like create other music? No, no. So someone pretty much took an AI program and put Taylor Swift into these really lewd and disgusting and gross positions oh, and whatnot you mean like, like deep with the fakes. Kansas City. Deep fakes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But now the rumor is that she's going to be, you know, like taking a stand against it and maybe fucking putting people in their place at this point. And I think that's something that will need to happen. And again, like, I don't want to try to speak like I know what the fuck I'm talking about when it comes to being super smart. But obviously, like you said, stealing art is bad. There needs to be some sort of control when it comes to how people are using AI and for certain purposes. What that's going to look like, man, I don't know. We're in the wild west of this right now. But I will say I do think Pal World in itself is much, much, much different than Pokemon. There are, again, the same elements to it, but it's absolutely not the same game. And then it gets into that tricky legalese of is it the same creature? Have they made enough modifications? What's the purpose of the character and the use of it? And it's a whole thing. So I'm just standing by and I'm going to pretend like I can understand everything. Just don't be a dick. Just don't steal people's work and don't do bad things to people. Pal World, I think, is a complicated one because the head of the company of Pocket Pair has publicly spoke about using AI in the past. Mm -hmm. And there is a history there that the company is known to have used this type of generative AI. And so it's like, well, did you do it? I mean, you can't tell us you didn't at least pull in like really hard inspiration. But there's a lot of talk about, you know, what is considered theft and what isn't and what could get paid and what couldn't. And, you know, some people are like, well, why don't we just set up some kind of royalty system like in music when you sample somebody's beats or song, lyrics, whatever, you know, you Mm. have to pay them part of the profits for your your song if it gets big, right? That I think is a path forward if we want to talk about generative AI. But of course, it took the music industry a very long time to like work that out. And there's still lawsuits about that all the time in music. And I think that video games is going to get to that point eventually. But when we're going to get there, how we're going to get there, I don't know. As you said, Brittany, it is 100% the Wild West. And like the whole issue of deep fakes and using people's faces is incredibly complicated and a whole nother topic, especially when we're going into an election year here in the United States. And there's already reports of AI generated (gasps) fake robocalls. And I'm like, I don't like that at all. That's gross and dirty and bad (laughs) in a much worse way. It's like you could give humanity the most pure thing in the world and people just turn it around and turn it into the nastiest shit ever. I don't. I mean, yeah, look at Tears of the Kingdom. I mean, people just started building dicks instantly and then yeeting Koroks into the sun. That's kind of funny. (laughs) I mean, like a wholesome, kind, cool thing that uses really awesome tools and the community's like, I'm going to make a dick. Yeah, let's go. But yeah, interesting, interesting shit. Clearly more to be said about Pal World and the hands-on once Brittany talks about her experience. And I have no doubt they will be in and out of the news a lot this year. So stay tuned for that. A couple more quick headlines. Suicide Squad killed the Justice League had a rocky early access week ahead of its February 2nd global release. We are aware that the podcast is, in fact, going up on February 2nd. Brittany and I have not yet had a chance to play. So just going to make that disclaimer right now. The game servers were taken offline multiple times with developers. Rocksteady announcing scheduled maintenance. 
And sometimes when they made these announcements, there was no estimate of when the game would be back online. But as of posting this show, it is in fact available to play. But some consumers were, of course, not happy with how the launch rolled out. Early access was provided for people who paid the $100 for the deluxe edition. So $30 for, I think, three days of early access for people who are accounting. It did come with exclusive DLC, which unfortunately also wasn't available temporarily during the early access period. So clearly those not great things. But on top of that, yes, there was another problem. A truly frustrating bug showed up where some players booted up the game during early access and found that they had completed the story without (laughs) even having played the game yet. That seems problematic. And obviously Rocksteady worked quickly to rectify all of these things by pulling the game down, doing server maintenance, but when you have to pull the game down for even an hour, in some instances it was multiple hours during a paid early access period, people are going to be upset. And rightly so. The new live mm-hmm. service multiplayer game is a departure from Rocksteady's previous critically acclaimed work on the Arkham series, which we've talked about several times. And early previews of the game that came out about a month ago were not overly positive. So while these types of launch issues seem to be fairly common for always online games, it seems that Rocksteady is under a particularly large microscope to see how their global (laughs) launch is going to fare once it goes worldwide. This just makes me so sad because, you know, Rocksteady is so talented. Those people who work there are just so incredibly talented. And it's just such a bummer that this is... This is what's happened. You know, it makes me very, very sad. I will say I have seen quite a few people talking about this game on Twitter slash X. And it sounds like more folks than I expected are having, just based off what we've seen, right, are having a fun time with it. They are enjoying the game for what it is. I guess it's beautiful. I guess some of the dialogue is really, really great and witty and well-written and funny. And there's some really cool moments. So I don't think this game is all bad, as, you know, I think some folks have been making it out to be. So perhaps there is something here for you. So if it is something that you're still interested in checking out, despite the rough launch, I would encourage you just to kind of read some reviews from other folks who have been playing it. Maybe there's fun for you to have with it. That's hopefully encouraging. Yeah, I think whenever a game based on a wildly popular suite of IP like Justice League is, you know, DC's characters that have tons of lore and fans across their multiple universes, there's going to be just a general, you know, sense of ownership over that fandom. And even Mm -hmm. if this game was perfect, even if it was like the follow up to the Arkham series that I think everybody was hoping that they were going to get from Rocksteady when Rocksteady finally came back with a game that they were publishing, there would still be people upset about it. I mean, when the game was announced that it was going to be like a multiplayer, people were like, mm, multiplayer. And then it was like live service. They were like, mm, live service. Yeah. But multiplayer live service games are some of the most popular games in the world, like Pal World, which we just talked about, a multiplayer live service game. So I think that people's expectations of what these games are supposed to be is just like very wildly mismanaged. Now, as I already said, you know, Brittany and I haven't gotten a chance to play the game yet. I have just received my code. And I'm looking forward to checking the game out and hoping it's great. But the problems that this team had in its early access period, when it's a paid period, is something that is super frustrating. And I really think WB Games is going to have to look at how are we going to make it up to consumers that we charged them this premium price for this very short early access period And we had multiple issues. I mean, 
Yeah. Live service games, I feel like universally have issues at launch because that's just how servers work with multiplayer games. And mm -hmm. because of that, it just feels to me like they should have not made players pay for that. They should have just done an extended free early access period, you know, or they're going to have to figure out some other kind of means of saying, oops, our bad. 100%. Don't charge people a lot and then give them something that's not polished. And it's okay and that it's not of, polished. Multiplayer games are hard. It is. And I think a, a lot of the, the poo-pooing began, though, because there's no early review code access, right? And that's typically in our line of work when you don't get the code ahead of launch with ample time to play it and adequately review it, that's a red flag. Yes. Um, not always, but most of the time, yes. Like, right? It's like, oh, okay, well, that's not good. And then some outlets were making a pretty public stink about the fact that they weren't receiving a code. Maybe IGN. IGN came out and they're like, yo, we're not getting a review code. And... Whatever, like I don't even want to touch that. But I think that's where a lot of the negativity started. But I think now maybe the expectations were set so low, people are playing it like, actually, like this isn't as bad as we thought it would be. I think Greg called it soulless in his hands-on preview, which I mean, I don't think that reflects on the developers. I think it just reflects on the process of the game development. Pro but anyway, TLDR, Andrea sounds like you'll be playing it and you can talk about it. But I hope that, you know, people are able to get joy out of it in some way, shape, yeah. or form. Me too. I mean, I think about Destiny, like they never do reviews ahead of time because they can't because it's an always online game. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so I mean, it happens, but you're right that it's usually typically like a uh -oh. danger, danger, warning. <laughs> They're not giving us the code ahead of time. What are they hiding? Those oh, are my binoculars. Oh, what are they hiding? Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 I can still do it. The arthritis hasn't set in oh, yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For everybody listening on podcast, Brittany did the very classic turning the goggles upside down. Oh, that's a good stretch. Professionals. <laughs> that's what we are. Professionals here at What's Good Games. Okay. We have a couple more headlines to get through. Probably my favorite headline of the week. <laughs> yeah, oh, I thought of you when I saw this. I know. It's so exciting. I'm realizing maybe we should end with the good news. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I'll save my favorite headline and we'll talk about the other sad news before we get to the yeah. and we'll end with a little bright news. So continuing the bummer layoff news that has become January 2024 in the video games business, the new Deus Ex game from Eidos Montreal has officially been canceled amid layoffs from Embracer Group. Now, as I mentioned, January has already seen over 5,000 game developers lose their jobs, which is just awful. Just... <sighs> Tragic and terrible in a lot of ways. Embracer Group is adding more to that list. A new Bloomberg report reveals that 97 employees from Eidos Montreal are being laid off in the wake of the cancellation of the new Deus Ex game that they had in development. The team had most recently published the critically hailed Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, but their last Deus Ex title, Human Revolution, has not been seen for quite some time. Now, the studio did not mention Deus Ex in their public statement following the layoffs, but their statement did end with... To our players, it's oftentimes not just the games, but the game makers as well that we celebrate and admire. Our commitment is always to making the best games for our amazing fans. And even with this restructuring change, we continue to fight on to deliver those awesome experiences for us to share together. Thank you for continuing support and well wishes. So that's a bummer. <sighs> that, that's such a bummer. That more layoffs are happening. And I don't think Embracer's probably done oh, since no. their $2 billion finance deal that they were doing with the Saudis has fallen through, yeah. which is probably for the best that that deal fell through because there's a lot of problems with that deal that we're not going to get into right now because that would be a whole nother show. But the real sad part, as I mentioned on Twitter earlier this week, is that there's a human cost 
to the way that business is being run globally today. And it's not just in the video games industry, it's in a lot of different industries. And it just feels like CEOs playing with monopoly money, forgetting that people's lives are in the balance. And that's super frustrating. Yeah, why couldn't you have gotten that $2 billion from a different source? So then we wouldn't have had all these issues. I don't know if there's been a, a larger pillar of like, that shows the repercussions of what a fallen deal can, like what can go wrong is what I'm trying to say. When you see this deal, it's just been an absolute shit show ever since it fell through. And it is just so sad. And it's so, I mean, it's like every day, like I saw today that, you know, there's gonna be layoffs with Sega's QA and localization team and then there I just was scrolling through the social media earlier and there's another studio that's laying people off and it's just a really fucking bad bummer time man and I wish there was more that I could say more that I could do but it's like what do you I don't know besides just you know showcase job openings when they become available and just trying to think of people when you see something and be like oh have you seen this opportunity and I've been trying to do that but damn like it's just rough like these are our friends and our colleagues and I don't know man feels bad yeah, I know several people that were affected by the Microsoft Activision Blizzard yeah. layoffs and the Riot Games layoffs, and it's just been so heartbreaking. I think the only silver lining that is, of course, very difficult for anybody going through a layoff to focus on right now, because having been through layoffs myself, they're awful. They feel shitty. It feels bad, man, is that the video games industry overall is still very healthy, and that while there was a big expansion during the pandemic years that is clearly being rectified right now through cuts, that there's still a lot of teams who are scaling. There's a lot of teams who are hiring. There's definitely still work to be had. It's just the frustration I'm sure those people who got laid off feel of having to go do the work once again of doing the resume schlepping, the cover letter writing, the monotonous like HR march that people have to go through to get jobs at corporations these days. And I don't envy anybody who has to do that. And it's frustrating and unfair. Really, it's yeah. unfair more than yeah. anything. So, yeah. but please do use all the resources. As Brittany said, there's tons. Hashtag game jobs is a great one. If you're looking online, there's several sites that have job boards. Those resources, you know, are available and hopefully, you know, you can find a, a new cooler spot. All right, now we're gonna end with the fun news. Yeah. Video games could still be fun, everybody. Yes. And two of my favorite space games of all time are finally having a crossover. How perfect. I'm very excited about it. Mass Effect is coming into Destiny 2, everybody. Oh Girl, my god. This is like this is like your DP dream. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I definitely want more Mass Effect, but I'll take this. Uh, yeah. Mass Effect cosmetics are coming to Destiny 2. In a post over on X, Destiny 2 developer Bungie announced the partnership with Mass Effect creators Bioware to bring the cosmetics from one epic space RPG to the other. Ooh. Launching on February 13th, the Alliance Requisition Bundle includes armor sets based on the series hero, Commander Shepard, along with her besties, Garrus and Liara. <gasps> Just wonderful. In addition to the four purchase bundle, they're also giving away some free stuff. Three items will be available for free. The Enhanced Defense Ghost Shell, the Alliance Scout Frigate Ship, and the Alliance Drop Ship Sparrow. Oh, man. Now, have you been playing Destiny 2? So, I hadn't been. I'm oh. just going to be oh. real. Because okay. Destiny, as an online, always online game, is really, really challenging to play while you have a toddler. And she has been going through some incredibly difficult sleep 
challenges, <laughs> which, you know, I, I briefly talked about before we went on hiatus. They have been continuing, but the sleep coach has been working. Hire a sleep coach, Yay. everybody. She's been great and it's getting better. And I think we're on the precipice of a breakthrough yeah. where I'm actually going to be able to get her down at a normal time. And then I'll be able to actually do something besides just wash the dishes and do the laundry when I'm done putting her to bed. (laughs) But it hasn't been a lot more else than that. But yeah, so I mentioned in the in the tease to go into the next segment that I've been back on my double D's bullshit. One of those D's being destiny. One of those D's being destiny. So I was trying to pull up the image here. Oh, yeah, because I haven't seen him. I bet it's some sexy N7 armor. Yeah, I'm assuming. I'm assuming. Yes, where where is it? Nice media. Black and red and white stripes. I want the Garrus stuff. Although I I wonder how the neck situation would work. Because I feel like his the neck on his outfit, on his armor piece, is just like so wide. It's like a gaping hole. And then his like Turian head comes out. It's like... Oh, yeah. So the armor sets are for the Destiny classes. So it doesn't like distinctively look like those people but the hunter set for garris looks very cool i do hope that these sets are available for all three classes i have to imagine that they will be but sometimes you know they look pretty different on each of the different classes and Mm -hmm. the liara set that they have on the warlock in this image looks just fire looks amazing the commander shepherd armor set is I feel like could use a little bit more love. And maybe that's just the image that they have now. But it just basically looks like the N7 stripes. It doesn't look particularly iconic. And I don't know if that's just because of this specific Titan armor that they have. I feel um, like the chest plate needs some work. I think exactly. the shoulders and the arms looks cool. Because, yeah, you got those stripes in the helmet. But the, the chest plate is a little, it's a little not, it's not enough. Hmm. Yeah. And they didn't show what the other three things are going to look like, the free pack. But I bet you they're going to look cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is cool. I am very happy for you. Thanks. And see, it works. This kind of stuff works because now, look, it's going to drag your ass back into it. Yeah. It kind of makes me go, why are they doing this now? Like, oh, Oh. this feels like a would have been like a perfect like N7 day, like in celebration of N7 day. We're excited to announce this partnership. We're going to be releasing it. Like, it's interesting to me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, am I reading too much into this? I mean, maybe it could have just been like a timing thing. Maybe they wanted to do it for N7 day. We're only a couple months after that. You know, shit gets hard and complicated and delayed. But I want you to keep the hopium alive and I want you to think about it. and I want you to be excited about it. Thanks. Yeah, I would love nothing more for them to just to drop a surprise trailer. Just to be like, who needs the Game Awards? Summer Game Fest who? Nah, here, middle of February. Boom. Mass Effect Ooh, 4. Let's like go. Like a Valentine's Day treat. Ugh. Ugh. You know what I mean? Be my Valentine. Also, the Mass Effect Valentines you can find online are... Chef's kiss. They good. So good. So good. Okay. But that's enough headlines for the week. Thanks for hanging during our news block, everybody. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, Britt has been living her best house bandos and pocket monster life. And as I already mentioned, I've been back on my double D's bullshit. We'll be right back, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, Brittany is cheering. She's raising the roof. She is so excited to talk about the games that she's been playing. And also, by the way, 
excellent job on your Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth review and content. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's the kind of shit I've been doing at 2, 3 in the morning when I can find the time, Andrea, posting That's reviews. incredible work at 3 a.m., I must say. <laughs> That's all I got, babe. It's all I got. <laughs> I, I This is just like the perfect timing because I get to talk about Power World and more importantly, I get to talk about Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, which probably will be my game of the year. I can't Ooh. foresee. a Girl, I can't foresee another game that surpasses the Rebirth? way this game made me feel. Rebirth will get close, but this this game means so much to me, and this game has cemented the Like a Dragon series to be my all-time favorite video game series. Like, there's just... That's huge. That, no, when, you, when I saw that in print, girl, I was like, that is not to be overlooked. And it's not even close. It's not even close. What a sentiment. No other... I was thinking about this while I was playing. I was like, no other game has made me cheer, cry like this, made me so invested into this game. That's now what? How many games are we at? Eight, nine games in this franchise? And no other game has made me feel this way. It doesn't... The emotions that I get when I play this. Okay, so yeah. Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth released last week on pretty much every platform except for Switch. And I think it's sitting at a pretty 93 on Metacritic for Xbox and an 89 on PlayStation. So like, listen, I'm not the only one who thinks this game is great. It's a sequel to Yakuza Like a Dragon, which came out in 2020. And as all y'all know, that was Ichiban Kasuga's first game. And this, apparently he, we were passing the torch from Kiru to Ichiban. So this is the sequel to that. And I think when this game was first revealed, we were all very interested to see why Kiru was back and why he had this interesting hairstyle and haircut. And what is he doing with Ichiban? Like, are they in cahoots? Are they working together? What's going on? Turns out Kiru is a very, very sick man. And he and Ichiban, with the threat of fate, if you will, they are on the same mission. And it brings them to Hawaii. It brings them to Japan. And essentially, it is the story of them working together and learning from each other and forming, I think, an unbreakable bond. And of course, there's a bunch of story stuff that goes down that I'm not even going to go near talking about because you all need to experience this game for yourself. But what's interesting about it is the game does take place in Hawaii and it does play, take place in Japan. Most of the time, you're going to be Ichiban in Hawaii and then most of the time, you're going to be Kiryu in Japan. And even though these two characters are working air quote separately, obviously they're still supporting each other from afar. And it works really, really well for the storytelling because these two heroes stand alone by themselves and they are enough by themselves. And this was a great way though for them to work together and really push the story along in such a fantastic way. But enough about that. Hawaii as a setting is just phenomenal. It's it's beautiful. There is just so much to do in this game. I mean, game. yeah, let's is, go. I've been talking about going. Let's just let's just go see for ourselves. Let's just go. Let's just, you know, I think what we need to do is do a side by side comparison of stuff in Hawaii and stuff in the game. It's for research. It's for business. Obviously, I think we could write it off. But Hawaii is one of my favorite maps ever after Kamurocho. I like it better than any other map we've seen in the Like a Dragon franchise. And I think the reason for that is just the amount of stuff there is to do that the setting of Hawaii lends itself to. I mean, and I'm not even talking about Dondoko Island, but there's the Sujimon, the Pokemon catching mini game now where you have a Coliseum and there's gym battles and there's evolving and there's all sorts of things you can do with your little Sujimon little dudes. And they're just so silly and hilarious and they make me laugh. And I spent so much time doing that. There's Mismatch, which is like an online dating thing. There's over 50 side missions. Some of them are going to make you cry like a little bitch. Some of them are going to make you laugh. There's a lot of returning characters in these side missions. So if you've played the other ones, you're absolutely going to love it. There are more dungeons. There's Crazy Delivery, which is a take on Crazy Taxi. There's Trivia. There's Sicko Snap, which is like Pokemon Snap. And this is just the side stuff. This has absolutely nothing to do with the main story. 
and when I say like my favorite nights of marathoning this game were just to turn it on and walk around and see where the night took me. Like what shenanigans am I gonna get into tonight? And those were the best times I had with this game because you never know. You just don't know what's going to happen. And it just made me so happy. And, you know, kind of piggybacking off what I was saying at the top of the show, life is lifing right now and things are just a little, you know, a little eh. This game just made me happy. It just made me happy. It made me smile. It made me cry. It made me laugh. But I think more importantly than anything, it made me reflect, I think, on my own life and the way I live it. And it inspired me to maybe think about things differently. And I think the reason for that is because you're in the shoes of Kiru a whole bunch and he's going through some shit. And it really kind of just puts in perspective how fragile life is and how important it is to nourish and cherish the relationships of those around you that you care about the most. And I walked away from this game just feeling all sorts of like invigorated and just feeling like inspired and I'll just leave it at that. This is a very, very special video game. And I do think though, if you have not played like a dragon, Yakuza like a dragon. I think you should before you hop into this. I believe it's on Game Pass right now. But this game, if you're like, no way, I don't have the time for that. I'm not going to do it. You can hop into this. Obviously, there's going to be some narrative moments that aren't going to like hit as hard, but the game does do a very good job at, I think, explaining to the best that they can who these characters are. And plus, as Kiru, you have this whole bucket list side thing where he goes through and he sees people or he tries to see people that were important to him, locations, etc. And it really does give you a really good kind of encyclopedia on his life. But other than that, like it's just a good ass video game. The combat is vastly improved and the dialogue is just so fucking funny as always. The animations are gorgeous. The, the twists and the turns of the narrative kept me on the edge of my seat. Like I have nothing but praise for it. There are little small critiques about the dungeons and whatnot, but honestly, like in my opinion, they're not even worth mentioning because they're so minor compared to the grand scale of this. I finished at 102 hours. And then since then, I've put in about six or seven more hours just working on Dondoko Island, which is like a whole other thing on the side. I spent 20 hours, I think, in Dondoko Island alone, Andrea. 20 hours. I'm not surprised. I look forward to, in the future, you giving us a tour of your island, much like I have given <laughs> tours of my oh, valley and my so island. Oh, you're going to be so disappointed. Baby, no. You don't want to see my shit. It's just my, my room, the house. So, okay. You get buffs for putting shit in your house and decorating it. And the guy is even like, you can make it look really pretty or you can just dump all your stuff in there for the points. Basically, like tongue in cheek, like we see you players. We know what you're going to do. I started to try to get real cute with it. <laughs> uh, my entire upstairs is there's urinals. There's a random car upstairs. There's posters. I think there's a couch. There's like a plant like on my. It's, it's a whole thing. Yeah. OK, well, yeah, good to know. I still want to see it, though. OK, OK, girl. Just Someday. Yourself. It's going to look like a frat house. Not good. Ladies and gentlemen, if you missed Brittany's review. Definitely go check it out. Watch it. It's great. So there's another big game that we can also talk about that you've been playing. That we have <laughs> talked a little bit about this show. Let's talk about some Power World, baby Power World. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> so people have been calling this game Pokemon with guns. And like, no, that's not it. That's not how I would describe this game at all. And obviously, I think anyone you talk to, depending on how they're playing it, is going to have a different experience. So... Jason and I are playing on Xbox and we are playing cooperatively, obviously, because I don't think I think PVE is coming. I don't think it's like there yet. I think the more accurate description I've seen is arc with Pokemon with a little bit of something, something else in it. So essentially you land on this really big world and it kind of I don't want to call it Breath of the Wild like because I feel like that's not really a fair comparison, but it's sprawling and it's open. It's kind of bare, <laughs> if you will, um, different biomes, whatnot. And you have nothing and it's a survival game and there are these creatures 
creatures called pals that wander around and you have these pal spheres that you can use to catch them and to catch them you have to weaken them and they level up and they learn new skills and you can fight other pals to catch them or you can use these guys to fight other pals even if you don't want to catch them or fight humans and that's kind of where the I don't want to call them gym leaders there are towers you'll find where there are people who are strong and you'll try to defeat them you're going to find dungeons where there are strong pals in there but the combat is all real time. So the pals all have their own moves that I believe they automatically just use on their own. But there are pal abilities, I think is what they're called. And you can command them to use that whenever you want. So I have a really like creepy dark pal and I can't remember his name, but his skill is to pretty much scratch the shit out of anybody. And he's very OP and I love him. Or you can hop on a pal and have it use missiles and other sorts of like ice missiles. They all have elements every pal does. So like you can see where the Pokemon stuff comes in. But where it differentiates is, again, like the survival element of it. So you have bases and you put your pals to work. They build for you. They craft for you. They mine for you. They chop wood. They do X, Y, Z. And as you level up, you unlock new abilities and new things you can do and build in your base. And you obviously through that, you build better gear and you get stronger. And then when you level up, you get stat points you can assign to your character. And there are some very difficult bosses and very difficult pals. And so right now, like what a typical night looks like when Jason and I play, we hop on, we make sure all of our gear is in tip top shape. We make sure all of our pals are like happy and comfortable and they have food and they have water. And then we just kind of leave them to their own devices. And you can get raided, FYI. So be careful about that. No. Raided from raided from NPCs. And so far, like, here's the thing, Andrew. This game is so janky right now that it's it's lovely. I love my games with a little bit of jank like this. And so it's not too difficult. Like half the time the people raiding our base get stuck in the wall and then they just die. So it's like <laughs> Amazing. I don't, I don't care. And we set off and then we explore and you unlock fast travel points. You can find you can build multiple bases as you level up. And so we found, for example, the other night, an ore field. And so we just built a base there and put a whole bunch of pals there that are constantly mining ore for us. And we come back and we check on it every now and again. And it's just us catching really cool looking pals and engaging in combat and trying to get good. And that in itself has just been a very relaxing game. Obviously, 19 million copies is nothing to sneeze at. I don't know what the legs are on this. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've heard there are towns. I've heard that there are merchants. And maybe there's even like an actual story in this game. If there is, the way Jason and I have been playing it, we have not come across really any of that. But we're still having a lot of fun. And it's been a really relaxing way to wind down our evenings. And we have uh, unlocked some of the weapons, like the handguns. And you can unlock special abilities for your pal. So I have a duck. I have a duck Aww. and its special ability, Andrea, is it shoots flaming bombs out of its ass in the shape of eggs. This feels so on brand for you. And it's so dumb looking. It's like this like, no, actually, it's like a toucan looking thing. It looks like a magic cart, but if it was a toucan. Anyway, it shoots flaming eggs out of its ass and it explodes everything. And so it's just like, and there's guns and AK-47s and it's a wild mashup, but it works. And it's very janky right now, but it isn't early access. But if or when this game, which I'm assuming it is because it's getting a lot of support, gets polished and really kind of ties it all together in one neat package. I mean, I think we're looking at something really, really, really special here. Like this could be like the next big, big thing. I mean, it already is with the amount of, you know, copies it sold. But if it has legs, like it's just really great. It's really fun. I love it. I am so glad that you're having a great time. I definitely hope it has legs. It feels like a lot of the gameplay systems they're designing will give it a longer tail than some other viral games like uh, Among Us 
for example, which obviously had, you know, millions of players too, but then clearly yeah. has dropped off quite substantially. The team did put out a roadmap this week, Pocket Pair did, saying three key features are expected to arrive, including PvP or player versus player functionality. Obviously that's coming. And then there's also going to be game raids with bosses added Ooh. at a later date. So that could be really cool to have uh, raids where you can get your friends and your pals together. And then they are also planning to add, quote, new islands, pals, bosses, and technologies. There you go. And that's where I think the legs are really going to be. As long as you keep giving us a reason to want to keep catching new pals and give it. The dungeons right now are pretty mediocre and boring, but again, very early access and it's on Game Pass. So it's, it is what it is. You have to take it with a yeah. grain of salt. But yeah, man, like the potential for this thing is pretty huge. I'm having so much fun. <laughs> it's so silly. I think you would like it too, honestly. I think on Xbox, so the problem is I think the servers are limited to, is it two people right now? And I think on Steam, you can have 30. Those numbers might be off, but I know it's a lot more than on a console. But I think they're trying to yeah. fix that in the future. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely said in the announcement of the roadmap that they are working on critical issues and technical fixes for the existing game as a priority, tackling that stuff first before they are going to put more resources into new content. But clearly with the giant infusion of money <laughs> that they've just got from all of their sales, hopefully they'll be able to scale their team up and roll out those fixes faster than they would have otherwise. Yeah. So, And yeah, it sounds yeah. like Microsoft is giving them some substantial support on the Xbox platform. And then, yeah. of course, you know, there's the rumors that it might be coming to, to PlayStation. Oh, man. And no official announcement of that yet. Oh, it's good. It's real good. I get it. Pal world, everybody. Cool. I guess I'm going to have to try it. I guess I can talk about my double Ds now. Ah, I want to hear about your double Ds. Let's, let's go. And no, it's not what you think, everybody. Oh. Or maybe it is exactly what you think. Let's start with the D that I've been spending the most amount of time with. <laughs> oh, God. I have so many things to say to that. But go continue. <laughs> Dreamlight Valley. Disney's Dreamlight ah. Valley. Take a shot, everybody. My husband, John Drake, works for the Walt Disney Company. So you're still on your Dreamlight Valley bullshit. Listen, they put out a brand new expansion in December, A Rift of Time, and they dropped the Jack Skellington <laughs> content updates and a bunch and? of other stuff that I still haven't even got to yet. So... I'm not going to go too much into this. Y'all know that I love Dreamlight Valley. I haven't even tested the multiplayer stuff yet, which is the thing that I was most excited about, oh. which is a little wild. But I think it's because almost all of my friends that were playing Dreamlight Valley just stopped playing it a while Aww. back. And so I'm trying to get some of them to come back and check out the new stuff. But I mean, they had a whole bunch of, of news come out. I mean, the game had its official retail launch and... You know, this new content, of course, the content roadmap for 2024, whatnot. But basically, it was a game that I kept going back to because I, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, had some struggles, you know, over the last couple of months mentally and have been needing like comfort food gaming and yes. not having the mental bandwidth to pick up and start something new. And Dreamlight Valley was the perfect solve for that. And also it's a game that if I somehow magically get time to play video games while my daughter is still awake, I can safely play in front of her and it's not scary <laughs> or dangerous or weird or anything like that, which is great. And she knows a lot of the characters now and it's super fun. So the Rift in Time expansion, I've just started to dip my toes into and it basically brings a whole new valley to your valley. I know that sounds weird to say, oh. but you essentially go to a whole nother section. You get 
all new biomes, all new materials, new crafting, new recipes. It's like a whole second game almost inside of the game, which is kind of wild to think about, but it's a lot. In fact, it was so much that I started the expansion and then promptly stopped playing the expansion (laughs) because I was like, I can't do this. I was like, I I can't go. Is it like starting over? Yeah, honestly, it did. It felt like I was Mm -hmm. starting from Mm -hmm. scratch in a way that I was not mentally prepared for. And I have kind of varying thoughts about that. On one hand, I think it's great that they are putting all of this extra content in the game. And obviously it's a paid expansion, right? And there's so much more to do and so much more to chase for the really hardcore players who had kind of like maxed out what they were doing. And a lot of these, you know, sim games, life sim games, you kind of like reach like an end of things you can do versus just like redecorating, right? Over and over Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that Gameloft, the developers have added lots of extra quests and lots of things to find and achievements and whatnot. But I just, I wasn't done with all of the stuff in the main valley yet. And I was just like, I can't focus on unlocking all this new stuff while I still feel like I have stuff in on the other side that's left unfinished. But they've been producing content at such a clip. It feels like unless you're playing this game a lot, it's really difficult to keep caught up. It's kind of how I feel about my other D, Destiny. (laughs) And how I like that there's an abundance of content. I just am not at a point in my life right now where I can, you know, keep up or play catch up. That's okay. I've come to terms with that. But I'm enjoying my time and having a good experience. And I'm going to redecorate some stuff. And they still have work to do. Let's be honest. Like, there's still some stuff that's kind of broken and buggy with the game. But, you know, that's live service gaming. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to add stuff and the way that they're going to add additional characters. And, you know, overall, I just really love that game and love my time with that game. And I'm glad that it exists and it makes me happy. I'm glad it exists for you. I think we're at a point in our lives where we always need that comfort food gaming. I didn't talk about it in my hands-on, but I was playing a lot of my time at Sandrock, which is the sequel to my time at Portia on my Steam Deck. And for me, until Infinite Wealth came out, that was my comfort food gaming during the break. And it's just comforting, to use that word again, to be able to go back to that and just... Ah, just zen and unwind and you lose yourself and your mind shuts down for a little bit. And so Mm -hmm. I'm happy you have it. And I'm happy it's a live service game because it sounds like they will continue to push out content. And you have the whole other game within a game you can go back to whenever you're ready. That's a good feeling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, have been playing between my Xbox and my Steam Deck because thank goodness there's cross progression. And I just, you know, love that I can kind of take it with me when I want to or I can like, you know, sit on the couch and play whenever I want to. So it's been great. Really, really having fun with that game. Obviously, we talked about the Mass Effect crossover happening. That's just like a cosmetics thing, right? That's not content. But the season of The Wish is on right now. So it just kicked off recently. And, you know, that's another couple of months of content. And as soon as I like booted up Destiny, I was like, it, all of the splash screens of everything that I had missed when I was gone. Oh, shit. And <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh, getting <laughs> caught up in preparation for the final shape, which is coming out now in June of this year, I'm like, at least I have a couple of months, you know, before that happens to feel like I've cut up and they've really made some substantial changes to Mm. the game, you know, since I had played it. And it just reminded me how much I love that game. It just, the game is just so well built and is so fun to play. And 
is a little infuriating how many gameplay systems are constantly at work. But the way that they've revamped the quest director and how you see how all of your missions from different sections of the game come together is incredible. It was so difficult to manage all of the different quests. You have the campaign quests, and then you have exotic quests, and then you have seasonal quests, and then you have like PVP quests, ah. and then you have legacy. <laughs> and I'm just oh like, God. oh my God, ah, I'm, ah. I can't. Head, and no, I've been playing no. Destiny for almost a decade now. And I'm oh. just like, I know what all these things are and it's dizzying for me. I can't imagine trying to be a new player and stepping into that game and nope. just getting completely overwhelmed by the tidal wave of content that that team has. And I know that Bungie as a studio has had a really tumultuous year after you know the layoffs that they had and the changes that they've been going through. And you know I want to continue supporting that game and continue supporting the teams that are there. And I truly hope the leadership hears the community and saying, you know, this is how we as consumers want to be serviced and also takes care of their developers in that same breath, right? Because you can't have one without the other. It needs to be a symbiotic relationship, right? Amen. So do you think this is your next true jump back into Destiny 2? This is it. I am really trying to make an effort to play more games in 2024. Mm. I really felt like I didn't get enough time playing games. And I I love playing games, right? Like I, yeah. I think I was just so between the mental exhaustion of managing a toddler at home, which you know all about, and a lot of you out there listening know all about, and the stress of what was happening in our industry and the stress of what was happening with me and of other sections of my life, I just, I just didn't play games. I was like, I just don't have it in me to play as much as I would like to. And I want to do more. So yeah, I think this is it. Because I really want to get like in tip top shape for the final shape, <laughs> which is coming <laughs> out. I didn't mean it to come out like that. And I miss the What's Good Guardians. I miss playing with people online. I miss that communal mm -hmm. experience. Yeah. And there's like, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I just went by and I didn't get a chance to interact with it. And I want to, I want to fix that. So I want to well, go back. This year is your year, baby. I feel it in my loins. Yeah. Yeah. And I did finally finish Alan Wake 2, which is, again, just ugh, just a treat of a game. Danny Pena, frequent guest on the show, called it Redemy Entertainment's masterpiece. And having now played it to the end, I'm like, okay, I see, I see it all. I see the vision. I see what they did. And just really, truly innovative game making on a number of fronts. And if you haven't played it yet and you have any interest, I cannot recommend it enough. And yes, I did work with Remedy last year, disclaimer. And I they paid you to say it. Hey, they God. did. They paid me to say that I didn't really care for Alan Wake before, but now I'm obsessed. Yes. <laughs> so. Absolutely. No, that game is phenomenal. It's just so good. And I think I listened to Herald of Darkness at least once a day. Oh, yes, because your son loves it. Jace right? loves, he calls it Hero of Darkness, I think, though. But yeah, every day, I want to listen to Hero of Darkness. I'm like, all right, bud. And he loves the little dance and everything. And so that game is always in the back of my mind. I still have not finished it. I'm in the very like ending sequence of it but I need to get back to it. But I have some time before Final Fantasy, so it might be a good time to do that. But God, that game is so good. And some of the things they do in that game, like that whole musical, oh my Chapter man. four, like we oh. sing, like I just, I can't. It was just so well done on so many fronts. I just, I just kept probably, taking, I took so many screenshots, Brittany. Me too. Yeah, it's probably the coolest thing I've ever seen in video games, honestly. Just that whole thing and the way it played out. It was, it was just, oh my God, so good. But It yeah, needs to be a it. Halloween Horror Nights maze. 
Right? Wouldn't that be just epic? God, that would be so good. And I want to say, since you loved it so much and you are so not a horror person, I think that speaks to this game. So if you're like, oh, it looks creepy, it's creepy. But if Andrea can do it, you can do it, friends. Yeah. I mean, I played it on story mode. Again, baby ass, baby mode, no shame. Mm -hmm. And I just really, really loved it. Well, maybe if you end up finishing it, we can do like a very belated spoiler cast. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. You know, I'm really excited about is that Final Fantasy Rebirth spoiler cast that will be coming at some point. <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation about what what are they going to change this time? Oh, it's going to be a clusterfuck, but I'm here for it. I love a clusterfuck. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to do it for us for this week, everybody. We are glad to be back. Thank you so much for sticking with us over the hiatus. More announcements and news about format changes and membership changes to come in the coming weeks. And of course, we're going to have some fun guests on the show and uh we're just glad you guys are along for the ride so thanks for the support as always and uh we'll see you next week bye everybody bye